and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat Beat Writer here at the Herald. How's it going, Anthony? Pretty good, David. How are you? Doing all right. Um, kind of like, feels like, you know, the last couple of weeks there's been like kind of a lot of news, or at least like kind of new developments, even if it's not news, and it's a little bit of a quieter week, I think, on the NBA front, at least. I mean, obviously there's like a lot of news in the world. <laughs> but right, but right. in the NBA world, the, the news is kind of slowed down, I feel like, a little bit. We're, we're kind of in a holding pattern, I guess, for the next month, basically, here. Yeah. It's just like we kind of start to, you know, more and more people are, more and more players are probably going to start popping up at workouts and stuff like that. But but we're kind of, feels like we're in a holding pattern. Yeah, as of now, right? I mean, I guess the one, I mean, the two big things that we're waiting on at this point is the the, safe, the medical protocol that's going to be in place. And I know yes. that the NBA has been working on that with the Players Association. Like, it's a long list of of protocols that teams and players will have to follow. Um, so that's going to be big. And then also just the regular season, the eight game or whatever. Mm-hmm. The NBA get the quote-unquote seeding games, the eight seeding games. Like, what what's the schedule going to be like for the Heat and for every other team in the NBA? So to me, you know, those are the two, two really big things kind of remaining that – should come out fairly soon, I would expect. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, as we are talking today, uh, I don't know, four hours ago, something like that, five hours ago, the uh, MLS kind of, like, put out, I'd say, like, the most comprehensive plan anyone has put out yet, I think it's fair to say. I mean, considering they have, like, specific dates, like, of, like, when their games are going to start and when, like, they've got the whole schedule pretty much listed out. Um, you know, they're uh, about a month ahead of the NBA, it seems like, and and even like three weeks probably ahead of the NHL. Um, but it's just kind of like, you know, who, everyone's obviously going to be on a different timeline and, and their, you know, tournament is smaller in scope than the NHLs and the NBAs. But um, it still feels like it's kind of like, you know, we when we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was the NHL had like had the big TV broadcast, like put out their format. And we kind of talked about how it's sort of, you know, could provide maybe some hints of what the NBA's is going to look like, and um, the MLS, you know, especially considering they're going to be in Disney World too, just like the NBA, it feels like a little bit more of a template of what we might be looking at about a month from now in terms of like what sort of announcements, timelines, and, and that kind of stuff could could be coming out eventually. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's soccer, so and and this is not a criticism towards soccer, yeah. but it's different it's confusing like i'm not i'm not the biggest like i, I like the sport it's not i don't follow it as closely yeah um so it's confusing to me um like just the tournament stuff and how it counts for the regular season but i guess that's what the mls is doing right they're doing uh, a 2016 tournament which is i guess every team in the mls and it's going to be a tournament and someone's going to win it and all the games are going to count toward the regular season record uh, which is interesting. So it's kind of like, it's basically like an in-season tournament. Yeah, right? yeah, it's kind of what the NBA has been like banding about for years at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's kind of, that was a talk early this season. You know, Adam Silver was discussing having in-season tournaments and different incentives for teams that maybe aren't championship contenders and, um, you know, different, like, I guess, quality. you can qualify for maybe the playoffs if you win the ter- in-season tournament and just different things like that. So, uh, I mean, soccer is obviously ahead uh, mm-hmm. of, of other American sports leagues in that regard, um, just because of the format and the right. international format. I mean, it kind of just lends to it. So um, it is interesting. It's different than the NBA, uh, but I think 
it's funny because they start what i think they start july 8th july 8th yes july 8th and the nba teams that's start, like when they're supposed to arrive pretty much right or can start arriving yeah, they, something like that yeah they they're gonna arrive the first week of july and then i guess the reported dates of the start of camp in orlando is july 9 to 11 mm-hmm. so um right around that time so it's gonna be a busy a busy complex for sure yeah i'm it's gonna be i'm really curious what like the area is going to look like around that time. Like it almost feels like like the Olympics where you have like the Olympic village. There's going to be thousands of professional athletes just gathered in, uh, I guess not thousands, hundreds, thousands of like personnel around professional sporting sports teams gathered in this like weird bubble, which obviously like we knew there's going to be bubble. We knew that these two were going to, but just as it gets closer, it's like, I'm thinking more about like, what, what is it actually going to look like there? It's going to be a uh, quite a scene, I think. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I would imagine that they're not really going to, like, mingle, right? I mean, I think... Guess I, not. I don't know. Like, the NBA is saying that they're going to keep teams and everyone in the bubble within three hotels. That's what that's kind of what the report is, three hotels. So, mm-hmm. um, MLS, maybe a couple of hotels. I, I would expect that they're not going to be, like, kind of crossing paths. But maybe I'm wrong. Um, but I would think there would kind of be two separate bubbles. But, I mean, that's crazy that there's enough space. I know. To have two separate, like, closed bubbles. Like, that's crazy. And to really have two leagues operating in, in, that, in that one complex. Games, practices, um, living their lives. I mean, it's going to be 24-7. They're on that, they're on that site. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's kind of nuts. Like, there's definitely going to be a 30 for 30 on that in, like, 5, 10 years. Yeah, sure. seriously. The stories from inside the uh, yeah. pro sports bubble. Um, have you ever been to that complex before? <sighs> uh, I feel like I went when i was a kid yeah just because i wanted to go because i had to do with sports and it was in disney yeah <laughs> but but i don't rem- i don't really have like vivid memories have mm-hmm. you yeah i actually was just there in, i went to um like i don't remember what the tournament's called but like one of the college basketball tournaments was there this year and, and maryland was in it so i went up with a with a friend um and I mean, it's like a huge complex. And I've also been there, uh, the Under Armour game, they always do their practices over there. Like, there's a ton of space. Like, it's not crazy that they're going to be able to fit all the games in there. It's just, like, weird that they're, like, it's like they're going to be separate but in the same place. And the whole thing is just kind of, like we were saying, it's kind of nuts. Like, 30 for 30 worthy. Definitely. Imagine having, like, your child, like, your kid with you, which I know uh, it sounds like the NBA is going to allow families to arrive. Well, they can't go on the rides, right? Yeah, like they're not going to be able to go to theme park. So imagine yeah. being a kid in Disney. Yeah. You're being told, yeah, you're here, but you really, you can't go to the theme parks. Like you're not allowed. Yeah. Like that's, it's like torture. Torture. Yeah. That, that's going to be, that's going to be a story into itself. Like I'm going to ask every father on the heat, like, how are you keeping your child sane while telling them they're in Disney, but they can't go to the theme park? Yeah. That's, are the mascots going to be around? Like is, is Mickey Mouse going to be uh, at the games? Yeah. I, I actually asked somebody with the heat those like, is there going to be a character breakfast? And he laughed. <laughs> he thought I was joking, but I was actually being serious. Like, I was trying to investigate, but I, yeah. it doesn't like there's going to be a character breakfast in the hotels. Will, the, will team mascots be allowed to go? That's the, that's the next question you got to ask. Is Bernie going to be in the building? Yeah. I would imagine not. I mean, he's going to – because then they have to take – a mascot has to take up one of the 35 spots, right? So I guess so. Maybe like uh... – Chris Quinn can double as Bernie or something. <laughs> that would be funny. There's going to be so many interesting stories like from that if we're able to get access to these guys. Yeah. Um, 
after games and, and you know after practices like there's gonna be so many interesting stories it's such a unique thing um aside from i mean obviously the games will matter that's what everyone cares about but just everything else that's going on like all the all the different um it's just gonna be a different feel like you're gonna be able to hear referees you're gonna be able to hear yeah. players inactive guys apparently are gonna sit on the in the stands um you know how close will like assistant coaches be able to get the players how you know, just everything it's just gonna be it's going to be unprecedented. So yeah, is it, there, it's going to be, um, you know, the games. That's going to get all the. That's what's going to get all the attention. But there's going to be so many other storylines. Yeah, I mean, it's also interesting as we're talking right now. The uh, the homestead races are happening this weekend, and they're going to have like a thousand military personnel kind of in the stands as, as fans. I think I saw Talladega is going to have five thousand people in the crowd uh, when they go there. I think next weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like. You know, the NBA and, and MLS, it seems like, are, are being a little more cautious with, like, you know, no one non-essential is going to be there. But, um, you know, it's like we're getting all these kind of test runs um, kind of leading into the NBA. And, and that's going to be kind of, I think, the one benefit of the NBA. One real – I mean, there's a lot of benefits, obviously. But the, the biggest benefit of the NBA being probably the most cautious league um, in terms of, like, getting – teams back in one central location is is all these other things are kind of being like your guinea pigs. Like the MLS will have done this whole procedure of how do you bring 20-plus teams into Disney World. Pretty much they'll have done that two weeks before the NBA has done it. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing, like I said, the NASCAR is, you know, maybe at some point as, as things get a little bit better, they're able to let even more people in, um, you know, more family and stuff like that. You know, they're... NASCAR is kind of setting the template for what does an event with fans potentially look like. And, and all these college teams are kind of the being the first to like basically have the template of how do you test guys when they kind of re, regather in a big group? Um, what happens when, when guys test positive? You know, yesterday I think UCF said they have three of their guys tested positive. Florida State had, I think, one. Um, so, so the NBA is, I think, in their caution – being like able to observe, sit back and watch and see what works, what doesn't work. Um, and so like, I think, you know, I think as much as anything that that's probably part of why, you know, the NBA is not quite as, as out there, like kind of detailing their, their plan in the same way that maybe the NHL and MLS have done because there's no need to right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually, it's funny you, you mentioned all that because I was, um, uh, Mayor Jimenez, Miami-Dade County Mayor mm-hmm. uh, Jimenez, was on the Joe Rose Show on um, we were recording this on a Wednesday. He was on Tuesday, and, and they asked them, "Do you anticipate fans at Hard Rock Stadium for Dolphins Hurricanes games?" And he's like, "Yeah, I would. I think. I mean, it's going to be different. There's going to have to be social distancing, masks, maybe. But he, he's like, maybe 20, 30 percent capacity. Like, I don't think it's out of the realm, realm of possibility. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you know, as as time goes on here, even though we are in the middle of a pandemic and there's no really antiviral right now. There's no vaccine. Like there's gonna, it looks like there's going to be fans like I maybe in, during football season, like something, you know, it's not going to be shoulder to shoulder, 65,000 yeah. people, but um, 20 to 30% capacity. Like that seems realistic. So yeah, the NBA is moving forward without fans. I think a big part of that is because they're playing in one site. Right. Um, you know, the NBA doesn't like, there, if they played at home arenas, there'd be so much travel, and that puts guys into in, you know at so much more risk. 
Um, so I, I think just the, the system they're using kind of lends to no fans right now. But next season, when they have more time to prepare and maybe there is advancement in medication, like, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some type of fans in arenas and, and teams are playing home arenas again. Yeah. Um, the one other kind of topic I wanted to hit on with this is, you know, I listen to a lot of NBA podcasts, and it seems like there is sort of like this division among how people are talking about this return. Um, you know, basically like how – I don't know if how serious are you taking it, but like, you know, you can you can obviously say you have a plan, but it doesn't mean the plan's going to happen. Um, the way we've talked about it, I feel like it's kind of been like we feel like it's going to happen. Is it – where do you kind of stand in this kind of like divide? Do you, do you kind of feel like we have reached a point where you feel pretty confident that, that at least something's going to happen? Um, I don't know. Like I've been one to say like, it's still too soon. You yeah. Know? Like, I mean, yeah, I guess it's always at the caveat of like, if there is another massive outbreak, right. then of right. course it's going to shut down. But but I, I kind of feel like the, they have a plan. Like, it's they're, yeah. they're going to try it. Yeah, it seems like they're going to try it. And unless there's something that, like you said, an outbreak or unexpected like that, then, you know, it seems like they're going to move – they're on track to, to play some games. But the only thing I'll say is, look, they're going to they're gonna be practicing for a couple weeks before games begin. And, you know, God forbid there's, you know, three or four guys on a team that, that, that test positive for COVID and there's a little mini outbreak in, in – you know, with one team, like, I mean, that's the thing we don't know. Like, what's the number of positive tests that it's going to take for the NBA to say, okay, right, we, we we can't do this. Like, we know that they say, okay, one test, like, they can still move forward. It doesn't mean they're going to stop play. They always have to quarantine the guy and, you know, maybe in, you know, seven, I think at a minimum of seven days, maybe in a couple of weeks, he'll, he'll be back. But what's the number where, like, what's the line of, okay, if there's 10 positive tests within a three-day period, like, we need to pause things. Like, that's... That's the question I have, and I don't even know if they have an answer for that because mm-hmm. it's such it's a tough it's a tough question to kind of figure out. Um, but that's that's kind of what I would want to know. Like, I think they're going to move forward with it, but am I sure that there's not going to be like a like they're going to they're not going to face something like that? I don't know. I mean, it's impossible to know. You right. know, like, it spreads so easily. All it takes is one guy to to test positive, and you know, before you know it, a couple people could have it, and you're in one bubble, and you know, players are mingling together and they're in close contact and coaches and and just everyone in, in you know in the same hotel like it, it, it there is a there is a chance like there is a possibility that it could go bad yeah. obviously that's the hope and they're trying to do everything to mitigate that possibility but um that's yeah i think it's going to happen but i also think like they got to be careful really yeah. careful everyone has to be you know following the guidelines and following the rules because all it takes is one person to slip up and um, that's when things could really turn, you know, and, and you, nobody wants to see that. Yeah, I guess where I'm basically at is like, um, I, I'm not worried necessarily that they haven't don't have like testing procedures announced or anything yet. Like, I, I feel like it's pretty. They're gonna have all these things in place, yeah. but like I said, they're just being kind of more cautious. I think in terms of like announcing things because you know there's, there's again there's not a rush. I think the NHL. Uh, got out in front because there's a value in being the, the team that was basically the first, the, the league that was the first to say, Hey, we have a plan to come back. Um, the NBA, you know, doesn't need to that, that sort of like publicity push, I think in the same way that the NHL did. Um, I think the, the NHL, you know, saying they're going to test guys every day. I, I think that's probably going to be pretty much the same in the NBA, right? Like 
it's going to be expensive yeah. to buy all those tests. Um, but it seems like, you know, we've obviously ramped up our testing capacity pretty well here in the United States over the last month um, that, you know, they're going to have plans in place. And I think, you know, like you said, obviously, if, if there's a huge outbreak within the bubble, then, then it causes problems. But, um, you know, I don't know. I feel like I feel like they're on track, which, you know, maybe yeah. we didn't necessarily feel like that a month and a half ago when it just kind of felt like we were kind of treading water before there was any sort of announcement. I, I do feel like it meant it, it meant something that they had that they pretty much put out a plan. It means that they think they're going to go forward with it. Yeah, for sure. And, and to, you know, to kind of piggyback off your point, ESPN reported, I think this week, that the plan is to test everybody every night and yeah. then the will be ready the next, the following morning. So the key is catching it fast, right? Yes. I mean, that thing. And if they're going to be testing every night and they're going to have results every morning, like they sh- in theory, if someone has the virus, they will be able to isolate that person almost immediately and, you know, test everyone else he came into contact with and make sure nobody else. So in theory, they should be able to uh, prevent. And I know yeah. any type it's of- basically the idea of how South Carolina or South Korea, South Carolina, South Korea kind of beat this to a degree. I, mean, I don't, I haven't, I don't know what their numbers are right now, but they were testing just, they had right. so much testing that you were able to catch it before it spread. Yeah, exactly. So like they're going to do that and in, in obviously a smaller scale, but that's the plan. And yeah. That plan, you know, again, like it, in theory, it should work, um, but you just never know. I mean, the thing is, you're dealing with something that's invisible, um, and you really can't. You have no control over. Only, you can only be take precaution, right? So um, that's 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 the that's the challenge. But you know, I, I think they have, like I said, they have a plan. They're gonna, I, you know, the plan is to to continue the season to crown a champion, and unless something unexpected happens. Um, I think they should be able to do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. All right, uh, we are back. Um, where do you want to start? We got a couple different places we can go uh, here. You wrote a story on Chris Silva, which actually posted like just a couple of minutes before we started recording. Yeah. Uh, you had a great Q and A with Udonis Haslam for his 40th birthday yesterday, and uh, we could also talk about Eric Spolstra and his impromptu call to talk about uh, the George Floyd protest. Where, where do you want to start? Uh. Let's go in that order. So it's Chris okay. Silva. All right. Uh, first, I guess just tell tell me a little about the story. I haven't actually had a chance to read it yet. You told me like what it's about. You told me the gist, yeah. but but what 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 kind of stood out about this story uh, to you? Well, basically, how I how I came to write this story was um, Chris Silva on his Twitter account and Instagram uh, paid respect to his high school. I guess it's not the head coach head high school coach of his, of his, you know, his basketball team, but, but it was the associate head coach, uh, top assistant coach for mm-hmm. Roselle Catholic high in New Jersey, where Chris Silva went. Um, and it, uh, his name is Tommy Sachs. And he, he passed away on May 11th, um, you know, from a heart attack. He was 60 years old. Um, and I saw Chris Silva kind of, you know, 
paying tribute to him on Instagram, you know, with some really emotional words. So I asked the Heat, I asked Chris if he wanted to memorialize um, Coach Stack's story. Um, and, you know, he, he, he said yes. And, I, you know, I knew that Tommy Sachs played a big role in Chris's life and was important to him. But when he spoke about everything that, that, that Tommy did for him and like what he meant to him and the role in his life, it was like, it was really honestly breathtaking. Like it was almost like his dad, you know, like, you know, we know the story of Chris Silva. Mm-hmm. He left Africa, I think at age 15, like I was almost 16. So like eight, about eight years ago, um, only has gone back to Africa once in the past eight years. Um, his mom came to surprise him in December. It was like the second time he's seen his mom in eight years. So basically he's grown up alone. And right. Tom Sachs was the guy who kind of stepped in and filled the void of like parents. Um, you know, he, to tell you, like he moved out of University of South Carolina and a lot of his stuff couldn't fit, you know, he was living in a hotel for a large chunk of the season here in Miami. So a lot of his stuff is in Coach Sachs' home. Like the basket that, Jimmy Butler sent team the team the players and coaches. Chris Silva had that basket directed to New Jersey to Tommy Sachs's house. Um, every summer he would spend the entire summer at their house with Tommy Sachs, his wife, and their four kids, and that was kind of his home. Like he said, he's like when people ask me where I'm from, I don't say Africa first. Right. I say New Jersey because because I consider that home. Like that's my home and. Um, you know, it was it was obviously a, a basketball coach who helped him, you know, improve his game, but also he was a mentor. Like he helped Chris become eligible for college to play in college. Um, he just helped him with a lot of different things he's had to learn um, since arriving to the United States. And you know, to be honest, like you know, Chris and people I've talked to around Chris, like they, you know, he's kind of lost. You know, I, I think he's starting to kind of pick himself up, but. It was just all, it was just kind of sudden, you know, he was 60 years old. Chris didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. And he meant it was like a dad to him. So uh, it was a, it was, it was a tough interview. It was really emotional about it. But um, I think he, he wanted to talk about him just because he was such an important figure in his life. Yeah. You've done as good a job as anyone uh, of like cataloging the uh, Chris Silva story. Um, and it just feels like, you know, every, He's got to have one of the, the like craziest stories in the whole NBA of how he got here, basically. Um, you know, especially with like, you know, there's a lot of guys who, who came from you know tough circumstances. There's a lot of guys who I'm sure, um, you know, you know, there's quite a few African players in the league and and guys who you know came to the U.S. from foreign countries and probably haven't seen their parents in a long time. But just every step, um, you know, even like him, just the simple fact he went undrafted and like became a useful role player for, um, you know, a, a playoff team as a rookie. Like, it's just every – like I said, he's got one of the crazier stories in the league and, and um, you know, has obviously overcome a lot. And it's a different story than a lot of guys have had, which is, um, you know, what I think has made – as much as anything, I feel like kind of makes him a, a kind of a little bit of a fan favorite here in Miami. Yeah, it's, it's just – this unfortunately adds something else for him to overcome, and this unfortunately adds something else to his story. Yeah, um, just something. But else even just he's... knowing, I mean, you didn't. How much did you know about this? Uh, you know, coach. Obviously, you, you you've written the story, but like, yeah, you know, it's when when you have a, a life like he did, where you came to the U.S. not knowing anything. Um, there's a lot of people that are important on your your journey. Yeah, for sure, and I you know I knew about him only because, you know, in the stories you read about Chris Silva, like. 
the ones that were written about him by Sports Illustrated and different outlets uh-huh. when he was in college and kind of, you know, becoming one of the best players in the SEC at that point in South Carolina. Tommy Sachs was quoted in the story. Like, yeah. Tommy Sachs was the guy who, you know, who picked him up at JFK Airport in New York when he arrived here, you know, in 2000, um, 2012. And that's when Chris Silva basically, the, the famous like quote that basically starts every Chris Silva story for the past few years, the I go, I coach, I go MBA, the four words that he said, like his first four words to when he got into the car, that was to, that was to Tommy Sachs. Like that was when he picked yeah. him up and he basically said, coach, I want to make it to the NBA. And since then, um, you know, coach Sachs was the guy who, who helped him get there. Like he worked him out every five, at 5am pretty much every day in the summer after practice, you pick him up to go to school, take home after practice. Just, he was, he was that support system for him. And it's sad because all of a sudden Chris doesn't have that. So um, yeah, if you get a chance to read it, you know, please do. But um, really, it's 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 a testament to to Chris and kind of his story and kind of everything he's had to overcome. It's just yeah, it's, sort of it takes a village kind of thing, right? Where he's he's got you know it it takes more than you know, especially when you're in a situation like he is. There's a lot of different support structures you lean on. Um, For sure, and he that. has a and to be fair, he has um an uncle he's very close to who lives in Boston. That's mm-hmm. kind of again, yeah. The other person that he's very close to and is another support system, but um, that's part of his, his support system. But um, he lost a big part of it, um, you know, when Tommy Sachs passed away. Yeah. Um, on a later note, uh, you talked to Udonis Haslam for his 40th birthday, a wide-ranging Q&A about all things Miami. Um, what was your favorite nugget you got out of him in that uh, Q&A session? Um. I'll, I'll have a I'll have an answer that's personal to me, and then another one that okay. I think is. I've got a couple also. I'm curious yeah, how I, much they overlap. I, I'm as you you know, David. You know me pretty well by now. Like I'm a big advocate for Miami. Like, yes. I'm, yeah. I'm like you know, if you see me around the city, like I'm usually wearing a shirt that says something about Miami, or is paying tribute to something in Miami, or a hat that's wearing something that that says Miami on it. Um, I just love the city of Miami. So I, I had fun with this. This was fun for me. Um, to do a Q&A with Udonis um, on the city. And to me, personally, I love the fact when he said, and this was unprompted, I just said, what's the biggest misconception about Miami? And he said, you know, South Beach is not Miami. Okay, yeah, that's that's where I am also. That was kind yeah. of my favorite answer I think but, he gave. But, yeah, but I, what I liked about the answer, and this is no, um, this is not a shot at Broward County, okay? Because I, I know <laughs> Broward County, Broward County is a great place. But it's just very different than Miami Dade County. Like they're just two different places. Uh-huh. I like when he made the distinction of saying, you know, it's. I hate when people say, you know, when I ask people, oh, "Where are you from?" and they're like, "Oh, I'm from Miami," and he's like, and and I'm like, "Okay, what part?" and they say Miramar, which is very. It's on, to be fair, it's on the county line. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's but, the most Miami County in Broward, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, probably it's the closest. And to, and I, you know, that's something that I've. I've also had trouble accepting over the years, like when I was in Gainesville, <laughs> Florida, when people would say, yeah, I'm from Miami. I'm like, oh, where are you from? Boca. And it's like, you're not from Miami. You're from Palm Beach County. Like, it's yeah. a different place. So I, I like the fact that he said that. But as far as interesting to the Heat, I'll say his, when I asked him where he brings teammates, like new teammates, to kind of show them the real Miami, I thought he gave an interesting answer. He, he, he talked about a Dominican restaurant. He, he took James Johnson to when, when James Johnson first got here, he talked about Bam Adebayo going to eat dinner with him 
and his stepmom um, when Bam first was drafted by the Heat. Um, so those are, those are two things that really stood out yeah. for me. Okay, I got to try the Udonis Haslam food tour to some of the places he uh, mentioned. Um, I also loved him saying that his favorite uh, athlete growing up was uh, yeah. Jim Jensen. Unexpected, right? Yeah. I mean, I never heard of him. I'm sure, like, Dolphins, there's some Dolphins fans that, like, love him. Like, I'm sure he's, like, one of those kind of, like, uh, cult heroes. But, um, yeah. I mean, I liked your, your follow-up asking. Because he does, that, that guy does sound like he was a little Udonis-ish. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that was... You know, I wasn't surprised by that answer, um, only because I was at this um, charity event that Udonis accepted an award in, and mm-hmm. Don Chula presented him with the award, in, um, the late Don Chula. Um, it was a couple years yeah. ago, I think. Yep. And Udonis said, um, he basically, I don't know why, but he brought up Jim Jensen saying that that's his favorite dolphin of all time. So I kind of knew that he was his favorite dolphin of all time, but I didn't know that it was his favorite. Like, Yeah, like that, that would be your answer for that kind of question. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I guess it would be weird for you, Donis Housen, to say his favorite Miami athlete is Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Which is but he, <laughs> morning, Or he could have said... Or Marino or something. Marino. Yeah. Or like Mike the a Hurricane, like Michael Irvin or yeah. something like that. Like he could have said someone like that. But Jim Jensen, like that was... Again, I kind of had a... I knew that he liked Jim Jensen, but I was surprised that was his answer to that. I don't, I don't know if I realize he like reps... For, does he rep for the Hurricanes over the Gators usually? Yeah, he does. His he does. famous okay. quote is, going to the UF was a quote-unquote business decision. Okay. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't know if I realized that, that he was like, he's like you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He, he went to UF, he says he supports the basketball team, but when it comes to football, it's all about the Hurricanes for him. Yeah. Um, is he going to retire? That was not addressed in the q and I don't think, but... Yeah, I mean, I talked to him about it a couple, like, I've talked to you like four times in the past I know. I, I asked him that question in one of the times I spoke with him, and he basically said, I don't know. Like, he's like, I this changes a lot of stuff, like the fact that the season... At that point, we know if the season was yeah. continue. He's like, even if it does continue, there's going to be no fans. It's probably going to be at one site. Uh, I'm not going to get a send-off. Um, it's just not what I envisioned. He's like, so I don't know. I'm going to have to figure it out. Like I wanted to end on my terms. I had a vision for how it would look and this is not allowing me to, to fulfill that vision. So I, I, before all this happened, I would have been surprised if you would have returned for an 18th season at this point, considering everything that's happening, I would not be surprised if he returned just because this is such an unusual circumstance. And I could see him saying, Let's do this over again. And I think that he, like, his teammates would like to have him back. Like, he he doesn't play much, and I know a lot of fans are like, he's taking up a roster spot, but if you talk to guys in the locker room, like, he means a lot to them. Um, I know Bam and Abayo specifically leans on him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, players lean on him a lot, and he's still very valuable to that roster because, you know, it's intangibles. I know it's not visible, but his leadership really does mean something to to that team. It's a young team, so... Um, I think I still think there's a place for him on the roster if he decides to return. Yeah, yeah, it would suck for him to not get like the last game, right? Where like he gets to play 20 minutes and in a meaningless 80 second game of the season or something, and uh, gets the big send off. So yeah, he's he's got to come back, even if like maybe maybe do like a 10 day contract to start next year or something. Like there, he'll he'll play 
he'll play another game in American Airlines Arena with fans in attendance. Yeah, I'd be I mean, shocked if he doesn't. The other alternative is they say, you know, you, he retires and they just plan a standalone event for him. Yeah. Whenever it's possible. But even, I mean, it's just not the same. Yeah, he's got to get out on the court. Like, you got to yeah. give him. Because think, I mean, even when he gets in, like, garbage time, plays, like, three minutes, it's, like, the most energized American Airlines arena get. Like, it's it's up there with, like, the crazy scoring runs they have. Like, it, that place gets loud for him. Um, and imagine what it would be when you know it's the last time he's there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, that's why I think, you know, I, I, I would, I think it's fifty fifty for me at this point. It's not speaking for Udonis. I, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he retires. I wouldn't be surprised if he returns. But that's very different than how I felt. You know, four or five. Oh months yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's gonna be like this is last year. Like even though he doesn't say it, like I'm pretty sure. Yeah, this it was is like ninety nine percent. We were sure. Yeah. And yeah, the one percent was if a pandemic more. came and changed everything. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. it's you know we'll see. That's gonna be a question you know, for the next few months and he's not going to have much time to make it because if the season does start December one and training camp starts in November, like by the time the heat. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like, what's the point? You're already like into the full swing of the next season. Yeah. Might as well just finish it out. Yeah. Might as well just do it. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's wrap up with, uh, Eric Spolstra. You, it was kind of like an impromptu call on Saturday, right? Like last, like just out of nowhere, they were like, Hey, Spo wants to talk to you guys? Yeah, so the way, you know, obviously I think by now most people, especially the people listening to this um, Yeah, I've read the stories and all that. And read Eric Spolstra's comments, but the background of, the, of, of how it unfolded was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was a call from the Heat at lunchtime Saturday, basically saying in two hours, Eric Spolstra wants to talk to you about kind of the, cli- the, the climate right now of the country and kind of everything that's going on. Um, and it was it was three of us. It was me, it was Ira Winderman from the Sun Sentinel, and it was Tim Reynolds from the Associated Press. Um, and he wanted to do the call that day, you know, at that time, and basically to be ready. Um, and, I mean, that alone is interesting, kind of how it all came to be and how it all kind of developed. But also the fact, I mean, Eric Spolstra, he has, he has commented on social issues before. Mm-hmm when he's asked about it but for him to kind of uh unprompted call to kind of call for this teleconference so he can speak on these issues um it's a little different for him like he's he usually doesn't stray from basketball much and i think it's pretty it's noteworthy you know and how much he he how strongly he feels about what's going on right now and how much change needs to be made um the fact that he called for this and that he wanted to, he was adamant about speaking about it. So, um, yeah, I think that that's my that's my take on it. You know, you can read his comments; they're very strong. Um, he wants to be part of the change, be part of making this country better for everybody. Um, you know, especially African Americans, considering what's going on right now. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, it, it was it's it was different for Eric Spolstra to do this without being questioned about it. Like he did this right. on his own, and that's that's. To me, that's noteworthy. He also just hasn't talked a lot during this whole shutdown. Like, you know, oh, some some coaches are out here doing, like, it seems like doing teleconferences every other week or every month. But, like, was this the second time you guys had talked to him? Is that right? Yeah. I mean, he, he talked toward the be- toward the beginning of the shutdown mm-hmm. um, to local media. Um, I would want to say, like, in April or so. Yeah. Um, we haven't spoken to him since. I mean, he's done, like, 
He's done like the uh, an NBA with Ray Johnson, right? A few other like national sports, but as far as like the local media talking about basketball and other issues, like he hasn't. This is the second time we've gotten him to ask him questions. So, yeah, this is. It's not like we've been talking to him once every couple of weeks. Like, right. It's not like the question just came up as part of something. It was explicitly for this. Right. This kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah I think this is something that was weighing on him, and he wanted to, to speak out on it. Yeah, and he's not really on social media either, so it's not like he could uh, – I, I don't even I, – I, I think he has a Twitter account but doesn't use it. Like, it's not like he's out there putting a big statement out, so it's – yeah, it was kind of something he almost had to do it, but like, like you said, just the way it kind of came out of nowhere, like that. Um, I think is noteworthy. He has, he has one. He has a Twitter account. He's tweeted once. Yeah. Tweets. Great training camp. Fired up for the season. October seventh, two thousand ten. <laughs> so it was right after the big three came together, and then he was like, "Oh, like, this is terrible. I don't want to be around this anymore." Yeah. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, I'm the coach of the big three now." Like, yeah. Account, he quickly realized that it's not for me. Yeah. He hasn't tweeted since. <laughs> All right, uh, that's a good place to wrap up. Then um, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Um, check out his Chris Silva story. Check out his UD Q and A if you haven't yet. Um, anything like in the pipe for the next couple of weeks? I guess we're just just um, waiting, right? Honestly, I have emptied. Um, <laughs> My, my my list of stories i have emptied it uh i i you know there's always you know something there's stuff that can still come up obviously but right now uh the chris silva story was something i was holding on to and working on that posted today um so for now it's just about like you said it's when does the schedule come out kind of what's next in the nba's plan like when is that the protocol when do the protocols come out um and really i mean practices are gonna start in a couple weeks like yeah. it's great but teams can you know, reportedly teams can start practicing in their home markets like at the end of June and it's already June 10th. So um, before you know it, teams are going to start practicing and well, content is just going to make itself at that point. Exactly. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. Um, kind of all over the place like usual. Um, otherwise we got the MLB draft tonight, so you can check out uh, MiamiHerald.com for coverage of that. Uh, a lot of locals, a lot of, um kids and obviously the marlins have the third pick um although that will have already happened i guess by the time you are listening to this uh there's also nascar down here this weekend you excited for uh for some some real sports in south florida yeah sure i mean i'll <laughs> for a few laps Why yeah not? i'll watch it yeah i'm pretty jealous Jor- jordan mcpherson our, our colleague is covering it um he gets to cover a live sporting event do you I'm remember what that feels like yeah, I don't even know what that feels like anymore. Like, what does it feel like to be, you know, covering a live sporting event on deadline or some type of deadline? Like, that's... And he's there. He's not doing it remotely. They're letting, like, one of us go in. Wow. Uh, is it a limit of one per outlet? I, I think so. I think that's what he told me. Yeah. I, I, and it's not, this is a conversation for another another podcast. It'll be next week. But it's going to be interesting what the NBA does with media. You know, I think that's still up in the air. But there's a chance that... We might be covering live basketball games in a few weeks. Who knows? That'd be great. Sports is coming back soon, you know, pretty fast, actually. Like, we better get ready. Yeah. yeah I mean, the MLS, they're, they're coming back in less than a month. Are they allowing media? Do you know? I don't know, actually. I don't know if Michelle mentioned it in her story. Yeah. We could have a whole little, like, Harold Villa in uh, 
in beautiful Lake Buena Vista. To be honest, I've thought about, I mean, I've, not that specifically, but if we're going to be there for a month or two months covering something, I know people for spring training and baseball, like they have like, they rent out a house or a villa or something yeah. like that. Maybe that's the way to go if we're all going to be in Orlando covering sports. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's not a bad idea. Yeah. I guess we'll, we'll figure that out in the next couple months here and, and maybe talk about it if, it if it ends up being interesting. But yeah. um, let's wrap up there. Thanks, as always, for listening, and uh, we will uh, talk to you guys next week. Bye.